The Wide Ride Podcast is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know Miami Hurricanes ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest ways to get into the game. Canes basketball, by the way, is just getting underway, and there are in-app panoramic seat view photos from every section. You don't just have to go to Canes games, by the way. There are tickets across all major leagues and teams, including your Miami Heat. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate with easy two-tap checkout. In addition, on Game Time, you can purchase shows to concerts. So head to the App Store or Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Lamar. Winning lottery numbers coming up. I'm going to switch it up for y'all a little bit. Get crunk. You know why? Huh? It's hurricane season. Yeah. The new Miami. The new Miami. The new Miami. Surge. Surge. Manny J.R. West Palm. Listen, is this the offense that Dan Enos can run? Now, that is what $1.5 million is worth paying for. Williams, phenomenal. Eno's play calling was phenomenal. But it's just one game that I'm extremely impressed. Again, he's had good games. Eno's has a couple of good games under his belt right now. But if this is a trend towards next year, boy, look out. The Canes are going to be for real. Way to go. And I can't wait to hear what Raul from Hialeah has to say. Deuces. Manny, Raul from Hialeah, baby. Oh, yeah, we put it on the Louisville Cardinals yesterday, baby. They didn't look like Cardinals yesterday. They look like Tweety Tweety Birds, eh? I thought I saw a pretty cat. Oh, yeah. Great day for the seniors yesterday. Uh, especially my favorite senior. I have to give him a shout-out, you know, Romeo Finlay. Romeo Finlay gave up his bachata career to come and play for the Hurricanes. He stopped singing to play for us. Even though during the offseason, he made two great songs in English. Uh, let me be your wide receiver, and I like your tight end. Oye, Javi Williams set the school record with six touchdowns. Oye, six touchdowns. No disrespect to the Wu-Tang Clan, but Javi Williams has the real golden arm. Okay? Sorry, you got. Peace to you, my friend. Oye, Javi Williams' arm must have been so tired yesterday with those six touchdowns. Let me tell you, he used that arm more than Pee Wee Harmon in that movie theater, my friend. Oye, in honor of senior day yesterday in the day, a mi suegro, a mi abuelo, mi abuelito. Oye, I had seniors in the entire house. It smelled like Vipa Purrup and hard candy. It was such a terrible smell, but we got the victory. Oye, on to the bye week. Time to get some rest. Cervecita, playita, tranquilidad. And then we take on the FIU Golden Panteras. It's time to take down the Panteras, baby. I want some Panteras skin in my house. Let's go, Kane! All right, so this could be a huge mistake. I'm bringing on Walter Villa, my former editor at the Miami Herald, and uh, he covers FIU football. I'm bringing him on to do today's episode of the Wide Right Podcast because Walter knows me probably better than anybody else in this business. He uh, helped groom me at the Herald. He was my mentor, and he's a huge Miami Hurricanes fan, and really we feel like every week we do our own sort of podcast when he calls me (laughs) after the game. So, Walter, thanks for coming on and doing this with me and uh, and for shaming me because that's really what the theme of this episode is about. It's really theming, uh, 
rather uh, making fun of all the Hurricanes fans, reporters who doubted Manny Diaz after that uh, pounding they gave Louisville this weekend. Um, Walter, you can go ahead and take the floor and make fun of me the way you want. Well, do I? Am I allowed to say what you what you called Manny Diaz? Absolutely. I mean, I'm going to have to apologize for it, but go ahead. Well, you you said I guess probably in reaction to to that loss, I probably I think it was Georgia Tech, and you said he was a buffoon, and I uh, I said I don't I don't agree with that, and I think yes, I think there's a tendency for fans to um, overreact to one game. Um, you know, half a season in Florida State, for example, they fired their coach after a year and a half. And he may be a terrible coach, like everybody says, but I think that's not a fair test of what he can do a year and a half. He hasn't brought in his own players yet. And I think, I mean, that's off topic a little bit, Florida State, but I'm just wondering the next the next uh, coach they bring in, or is he going to be leery of taking that job, which is a great job in Tallahassee, because you're only going to get a year and a half. I think it's patently ridiculous to give a coach that little time and also for for people back to manny diaz to say he's a buffoon or to say that this is going nowhere half a year in when he hasn't recruited his own players i think is ridiculous the other thing i'll point out is if we never know how things will work out but if they had a, a reliable kicker and i'm not talking about a guy that can kick 50 yarders i'm talking about a guy's reliable 35 40 yards and in they might be undefeated right now they might not but they've been in every game uh so i i don't i don't think that's buffoonish and the other thing is, if you look at some of the, the, the reason I, I don't think that he's incompetent or a bad coach, look, he hasn't won anything here yet. The, the jury is still out. All I'm saying is, let's give the guy a chance. But Manny, I see a lot of good, good things in what he, what he does in, that's intelligent. Um, I'm talking about, for example, on the defensive side, which, which that's his forte. Uh, they're not just getting at the quarterback because they have superior athletes if you look at the stuff they're doing they're doing a lot of exotic exotic games and blitzes uh wasn't it amari carter i think this last week standing over the middle linebacker and looping around right end? i'm sure louisville hadn't seen that look so there and i can go on and on i want to get you back in there but there are things that i've seen that he's done that that gives me hope that this program is going to get back to what miami should be well, no, there's no question. He's done a ton to make this program a lot better, especially on the defensive side where you go back and you look at what Mark D'Onofrio did and Al Golden and what a mess it was. He's reestablished Miami as one of the best defenses in the country, and he deserves a lot of credit for that. But uh, being a head coach, being able to lead a program is a different animal. We saw that with Randy Shannon because he was a great defensive coordinator as well, and once you become a head coach, you struggle. And so after that Georgia Tech loss, I was really like, look, this guy might not be the guy. He might be a failure here. And I know I wasn't alone. There were hundreds and thousands of Hurricanes fans were ready to jump off the Manny Diaz bandwagon. And then he calls for his leaders to come in. He has that players-only meeting after Jaron Williams skips practice. And hmm. the players took care of it themselves. And that's really the difference now. And sometimes yeah. great leaders have to know when to delegate, right? I mean, they have to hand things off to the players and let them handle it. And I think that's really where the brilliance of Manny Diaz comes in. He, you know, he's well, no he longer also, a fool also, because it worked. <laughs> He also took, besides the players-only uh, meeting, which you would know a lot more than I would because you're there, but 
the, he also said publicly that he was going to take a bigger role on the defensive end and jump on that side a little bit more. And that was a gutsy call, too, because if they played really poorly the next game, everybody goes, boy, people would have really jumped off the ship. And they had a great game, of, as I recall, defensively after he made that move and had been pretty solid um, really up until the Louisville game, which was not a good defensive performance, by the way. Um, that was when the offense for the first time this year really um, carried them. But, no, there's there's been a lot of things um, that I like. Going back to the decision at quarterback, and, and going back to that even further, of course, I you know, I'm, 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 when I write stories, like I covered Hurricanes basketball yesterday, I'm, I'm a neutral observer. I gave Beatrice Montpremier a hard time because she was brutal last night for Hurricanes basketball through three quarters, one of seven from the floor. She's a first-team All-American. And then, you know, so I, I call it like I see it. I don't play favorites. I cover FIU. So that, that needs to be said. But just from a kid growing up and rooting for the Hurricanes and watching and then watching all these other coaches, um, that quarterback decision is very vexing. I mean, uh, uh, you know, with uh, way back with, uh, I think it was Shannon, right, with uh, Ja'Cory and Stephen Morris going way back to that, and that was mishandled. Mark Richt, who's, a, I think, a great human being, really badly messed up the quarterback situation, vacillating back and forth last year. Um, between Malik and Nikosi, and and that got to him. You mentioned Al Golden again. I want all these coaches to do well, but when I see something I don't like, I, I Al Golden, the way they and and you pointed this out, Manny. They they these kids from Miami, they get a very aggressive, speed oriented players. They want to they want to play defense going forward. They want they don't want to read and react. And and the coaches that that Al Golden had in place, they misread that whole situation. They're playing this passive read and react thing whereas Manny gets here he realizes that's not what Miami football is all about we're going to be aggressive yeah sure sometimes like I think it was uh, LSU last year you you run a blitz and they, they run the perfect play and you get beat you know so be it but Miami's going to be an aggressive blitzing attacking type team and so you got to give him credit for for that and then a quarterback he picked a guy Jaron Williams who hadn't played at all I think he had thrown three passes that was a gutsy decision and yeah, there were times this year we can talk about Jaron Williams, but there were times that that looked a little bit shaky, but right now it's looking like a pretty good decision. And that also has to be, and that's on the offensive side. You have to give Manny credit for that. Well, it's funny you bring up Jaron Williams because I remember calling you on my way out of Orlando when the Canes lost to Florida. And I was like, Miami has its quarterback. And you're like, eh, <laughs> I don't know. I wasn't sure yet. Yeah, I need to see more. Yeah, you needed to see more, but Jaron Williams is now number nine nationally in QB rating, right behind wow. Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrows and Tua and all those guys. He's up there in the top ten, in part because of his high completion percentage, but especially now after 16 touchdowns, three interceptions, the big day he had Saturday setting a record. Do you now feel confident saying Jaron Williams is the answer at quarterback, or do you still take pause and say maybe this Tyler Van Dyke kid who will be here next year is really the guy? That's a tough question because it depends on performance. On the field is what's going to show. Right now, I do feel confident given what he's done, and it looks like the three interceptions, that's one bad quarter, one horrendous quarter. It looks like that was the aberration, and the rest of it is who Jaron Williams is. Um, I will say the reason I'm more heartened by by him as a quarterback now 
it, it doesn't really matter about those touchdown passes. That's not because, you know, a guy could throw five touchdown passes and by throwing five one-yard passes. You know what I mean? So that, that in and of itself is not what impresses me. What impresses me, we know the kid is accurate. However, now, Manny, you can tell me where we should put the credit for improvement. Maybe it's some coaching and maybe it's some Jan Williams. But to me, what has to give Hurricanes fans hope is the way he has learned, the way he has stepped up in the pocket. His pocket presence at the beginning of the year was bad. Yeah. He didn't know when to get rid of the ball, didn't know when to run. You've seen a marked improvement in him in this last couple of weeks. Maybe stepping back and watching Nikosi Perry, who did a better job of pocket awareness, when to run, when not to run. Um, Nikosi just isn't nearly as accurate. He's got a stronger arm. He's probably faster, but he's not doesn't have Jaron's touch on the football. So what you saw this last week, Jaron Williams, a concerted effort of when to step up. There's a run there to be had. Take it. Um, that That is a huge part because if you just sit, you have to sit back there. You have to have an internal clock and knowing when, look, I have to bail. This rush is coming at me. I can feel it. And if he continues with that. Now, we have to say Louisville's defense is terrible. I mean, what do they give up? 59 a week for us. And you yeah. look up and down. That's a bad defense. Um, so again, we have to temper. I, what I told you earlier in the year, he what Manny Diaz, I did, he wasn't a buffoon and he wasn't Vince Lombardi either. Let, let, why do people have to go into extremes? Um, and so Jaron Williams, I'm not ready to say he's an ex Steve Walls or Bernie Kozar. Let's see. But but he's a redshirt freshman quarterback. You got. I think right now they're going to run with him and let's see where it, where it goes. I can't I can't see Manny Diaz going to somebody else unless he just absolutely implodes again with three interceptions in one quarter. Well, right now he's the number one freshman quarterback in the country. So, you know, red shirt, true fresh, doesn't matter. He's the best young quarterback in the country based on quarterback rate. So what did you yeah. think of him? You know, the way he um, handled the pocket, stepped up more. Where did you think that comes from? Because you're there on the inside and tell the listeners, was that, the coaching finally getting in his ear. Do you think they've been yelling at him the whole year and he just now realizes what he needed to do? Where did you think that improvement came from? Well, you know, I think it's just confidence. <laughs> I think it's being out there and understanding that, hey, you can you can take off and run. And I think he was kind of apprehensive because so much of what Danny knows was talking about in practice and in the spring was trust your pockets, trust those guys to block for you. And that's kind of hard to do when you get to, to – sacked 10 yeah. times by Florida yeah. and then, you know, hit left and right, even when you aren't getting sacked. So I think it was sort of a combination of things. The offensive line has improved. He's yes. getting more time to throw. And I think as far as the breakdowns in the secondary and, you know, who he's going against and all that kind of stuff, I think he's starting to see that teams are dropping back in coverage and I got to take off and run. So maybe Enos wasn't giving him the right message because you're right. The the offensive line was a sieve. Zion Nelson um, is obviously improved, but he was having massive problems every week. He was getting beaten like a turnstile. And so then that's one of the things I did like about Jaron early, like the performance he had against Florida while getting sacked 10 times. <laughs> you look back on that, that's pretty impressive what he did. Um, I mean, I, very few quarterbacks, I mean, are going to do well when you have when you're under constant assault like he was in that game. Um, so, so there's a lot to like there with them. All right. So right now, Miami's predicted sort of run the table in the regular season, beat your mighty FIU team, and then win on the road at Duke. That would put them at eight and four. And there's a chance, and we were talking about this after the game Saturday, is 
there's a chance they could end up in the Orange Bowl. And part of that is because Wake Forest just lost, uh, got handed, you know, pretty bad defeat from Virginia Tech. And depending on how the rest of these sort of ACC coastal play plays out here over the next few weeks, I mean, Miami could technically end up being the second best team, even if they don't play in the uh, ACC championship mm-hmm. game and win the division because they've got a head to head victory over Virginia. And, you know, they could potentially end the season with five straight wins. Um, your thoughts on Miami's uh, sort of, you know, whether or not we can say this is a successful season, even if they don't win the division this year, because I think personally going nine and four, assuming they win the bowl game, wherever they end up, um, if they do that or they play in the Orange Bowl, to me, that's the kind of step forward that you wanted to see out of Manny Diaz as a fan, as a guy, an observer of this program. Considering they lost to Georgia Tech, considering some of the tough losses, do you see this season as a step forward if Miami runs the table and finishes nine and four? Not really. Not a step. I mean, remember where they were with Mark Richt, and they they won ten games and won ten games in a row. So nine nine wins. I can't say, or Manny Diaz wouldn't say, it's really not about me. But Manny Diaz, I don't think would say that's a good season. So, but it's two separate things. Would it be a good way to end a season? Yes. Would it be a good season for Miami by Miami standards? No. My ACC, not even Coastal Division. Get out of here with that Coastal Division. Miami needs to win the ACC at bare minimum to consider that a good season. That needs to be the standard. And back in the day, Miami standard was win a national title. And so, so to me to say that's a good season, no. However, given where they were, if they run the table, the way I look at it, the next season that's important is recruiting season. And that starts now in December as far as the signing day. I think it's December 21st or whatever that date is. So I think it's important that Manny Diaz show that he's not a buffoon, <laughs> that he he knows what he's doing, that this program is on the upswing, and that he has that to sell to recruits. And um, he could possibly pick off someone. I don't know how many kids that were considering FSU or that committed FSU those are some good they always get good athletes that program is vulnerable right now that has to help miami um so so i i look at it as a way uh to end the season um on a positive note that he can sell to recruiting because that's obviously you and i have been covering recruiting for many many years back to the willie williams days and all that that's is hugely important for them to be able to get recruits and get their type of people in here and let's see what manny can do uh, running an entire program, calling the shots as to who they recruit, who they don't, um, because that's all. Those are always big decisions and hard decisions. People don't realize how hard it. We watched last week Tudu Atwell, right from Louisville. How good is that kid, Manny? That kid is lightning fast. I was scared every time he touched the ball. Um, and as a kid, I'm sure they wanted to come Miami for whatever reason. I guess they probably thought he was too small. So recruiting is full of all those decisions. And the type of decisions that Jimmy Johnson used to do so well, he was great at judging play, you know, play, judging players. Um, that's hugely important. So that, that's how I see the end of the season. They're not going to be, um, you know, obviously they're not going to be up to the standard of what Miami football is, but it's, it's about finishing strong so they can sell this to recruits. Well, and, and it's funny you say that because, I mean, obviously they've had some good recruits visit this program over the years, but really that's that's the key to all this is getting to the point yep. where you can really play with Ohio State and Clemson mm-hmm. and Alabama and, and really contend with them. Because my, my point, and I had a long conversation with a, with a big-time booster last night up until about 2 in the morning, and, you know, this guy was, hey, we need to fire Manny. 
he he doesn't get it. He's going to struggle here. Now, three weeks later, you know, the whole theme of this podcast, where we all idiots, and and he's he definitely feels like an idiot now because he sees that Manny's Manny pushed the right buttons and got the players to start doing the right things. Now, the bigger question is, can Manny Diaz to me elevate this program to championship status? Not, hey, we won the Coastal, like you said, but mm-hmm. can we can we really recruit the best players in the country, get first round picks again? and win national championship. That's that's what you're thinking as a Miami fan. And, you know, they had some top recruits visiting this weekend. They had Jalen Harrell, a kid out of uh, Hialeah Champagnat locally, who was a former FSU recruit. They had Justin Flo, who was the number one linebacker in the country. It's You know, he was down here taking an official visit. He has a really good relationship uh, with Stephen Field, who was the recruiting coordinator up in uh, – up for uh, Mario Cristobal up in Oregon, and that's where they kind of know each other from. And so the kid came down here and was cons- is, is considering Miami. Um, he's also a huge fan of Rohan Marley. So we'll see how that how it plays out, whether or not Miami can get a kid like him. But I think ultimately, and, and my whole point of this whole topic is, Manny, Manny Diaz has to recruit an elite level. And I think it's going to take time for Miami to get there. I think, you know, and I was telling this to the booster last night, I think Miami can go 12-0 and next year. If they're playing this way with this offense – I think defensively, even with the loss of the linebackers, they can go 12-0 and in the regular season because the regular season schedule, to me, is what this this season's regular season schedule was like. I mean, outside of Florida, you don't have any juggernauts on it. You look at the schedule next year, you got some team called Wagner, you got UAB, you've got Michigan State on the road. Michigan State is kind of a struggling program right now that's just not winning, and who knows if that guy's still going to be the head coach over there. Um, and, and you got uh, Temple. Those are the four non-conference wow. games and everybody i mean fsu i mean how do they sort of recover in a year and, and be in position to beat miami next year that's doubtful with a new head coach um miami's got wake forest on the road i'm sure wake forest is going to lose some of the guys that have made them a good team this year to graduation and you, that they don't just replenish talent at wake forest so to me you start looking ahead and you say well miami they run the table this year they get into the regular season schedule next year it's not very hard they can go 12 and 0 but the real question is going to be, can Manny Diaz get this program to, when they go 12-0, and can they beat Clemson in the ACC title game? Can they, you know, when they when they play Alabama to start the 2021 season, can they really hang on the field with them? And that, to me, the only way that happens is with elite recruiting. You know, I, I think Manny's whole objective right now, Walter, he's trying to recruit character guys. He's trying to sort of weed out the issues that he's had here with the program over the last few years where you have a deal like Jeff Thomas or you have kids that take plays off like Navon Donaldson, who's not always playing 100%. And, and even if he has a great uh, trainer and a guy who's, who's who you know, making everybody on the team really good physically, there's still kids that are dealing with issues where you're not getting the best out of them. And so I think Manny's trying to weed it out. He's going after a lot of character guys, maybe not the highest rated guys in the country, but he's trying to get a lot of character guys, which, which is what kind of what Dabo Sweeney did at Clemson when he was building the thing up. So, um, But Manny, in the end, you're right. It, it's going to come down to can Manny keep the best players in South Florida at home and can he load this roster up to a point where they can really play with the Ohio States and Alabamas and and, and Georgias? And Manny, so, if if um, everybody makes the right decision on this team and not leave for the NFL early, which they shouldn't do, I don't think there's anybody on this roster that should go early. But if everybody comes back, that's 17 out of 22 starters um, coming back from a decent team, playing a weak schedule, as you mentioned. Um, you know, so you're you're talking about right now having to play replace K.J. Osborne at wide receiver, which is a, a big loss. Maybe they go into the transfer portal and get another leader-type kid like him, or, or you play with the kids. Certainly you feel a little bit better now about Wiggins, who's had a lot of drops. 
um, but he he's certainly gotten better. Um, Harley, Jeff Thomas, who may he may leave again, but he shouldn't. Um, you start to feel better about that wide receiver crew. Then you look at defense. You lose Pat Bethel, uh, you know, a solid veteran, but but Nessa Silvera may even be a, an upgrade over him. And then you lose Finley at the striker position. You can put Frierson in there and probably be just as good. And you lose Quarterman and Pinckney. Those are two the biggest losses, I think. And you you put uh, McLeod is, is coming back, and I'm not sure who gets the other linebacker spot. Maybe you can tell us. But if all that happens, 17 of 22 starters, um, since I'm used to asking questions, I'll ask you. First of all, do you think who do you think of those guys might bolt early and make a mistake? And who who is starting linebackers next year? Well, I'll start off with who bolts. I think DJ Dallas is the only guy who will get drafted of all the underclassmen. I mean, that's what I've heard from, from people not who talk early, to though. NFL people all the time and, and personnel and so forth. So I think the one guy who could leave and probably should if he can make the money, he just had a kid, is DJ Dallas. And, and that's a huge blow because, to me, DJ is the unquestioned leader on offense. I think everybody sort of follows his lead, and he's a kid who plays really, really hungry. Uh, plays hard, and I think it would be sort of devastating to the running game because you still have a lot of unproven with Lorenzo Lingard. I like Cam Harris, a lot of things that he does, but I think it would certainly hamper the Miami running game to lose DJ uh, because Lorenzo has to prove he's good on that knee. And then a kid like um, Don Chaney Jr., who's going to be coming in in January, you know, he's excited and he's a great talent, but he's also a kid that, hey, it's it's different when you're playing Belen's schedule and all of a sudden you're playing in the ACC. And I think it, there's always that adjustment period for a lot of kids, physically and mentally and everything else. Um, so I think DJ is the one real threat. I think Jeff Thomas could potentially leave. He's got multiple kids, and uh, I think he's multiple in a situation kids. where <laughs> financially <laughs> – I'm making you laugh with that. But uh, – he, financially, he's in a situation where I think, you know, if, he, if there's a way he can make some money, I think he's going to take off and go. So um, I, those are the two guys. And then as far as the linebacker position, I mean, Zach McLeod is obviously going to be a starter. Um, you know, I think Patrick Joyner Jr. looked pretty good. Um, Jennings, who got hurt uh, in the spring, and, and it was, you know, <laughs> the coaching staff was in always saying, spring, oh, no, he'll in be the back. spring, in the summer, in the fall, in the winter, he's always hurt. Well, the Jennings kid looked good to me. No, the one that was hurt that you're thinking about is, is the former uh, central linebacker who uh, who broke his leg, you know, towards ACL, I think, coming into the uh, his senior year of high school and then got to UM Hurt. Uh, but that's not him. Jennings Jennings to me was the one who was playing, and he was looking pretty good of, the, of those two guys. And then, of course, you got the freshmen who are coming in, So and, and Sam Brooks and, and, and whatnot. I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not as worried about the linebacker position, I think, as other people are. Because I think there's just a lot of bodies, and in the end, they're just going to pick, you know, the, the best guy uh, who, who can run with McLeod. And I have confidence that McLeod's going to be a good leader. The issue is if McLeod gets hurt. You know, he's got to stay healthy and he's got to be on the field. And that's one thing you got to give Shaq Quarterman credit. The, this dude has played with a ton of injuries over the years. Yeah, very and, and you sort of need that toughness. And I think Zach McLeod has had injuries. He, you know, he, he hurt his wrist, his hand, whatever it was uh, last season, missed a couple games. And, you know, Miami needs uh, a bona fide guy in there that's going to be there every every Saturday for them. But overall, man, I mean, this roster, like you said, 17 out of 22 starters. I mean, yeah. if Jaron Williams is going to be this good, like I said, I mean, 12-0 and 0 is not out of the realm of possibility just because the schedule is so weak. There is no superstar team on that schedule next year. 
DJ Dallas loves the UM so much, I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe I'm being hopeful that he comes back, gets his degree. I know he's got a kid, you said, but, you know, getting that degree, he's not going to be a high-round pick. Running backs don't get drafted high in the NFL anymore anyway. And so, he, you know, I'm not sure what his grade is going to be. I, I think he should come back. I think it, it, it would be better for him and his life if he comes back. Now, if you, if you get your degree, whatever, but I think, I think he loves it so much, maybe there's a chance he does come back. The other thing, Manny, too, I wanted to mention to you, when we're talking about Manny Diaz and whether he's a good coach or not, one a couple of things, you know, and just in thinking about when you asked me to do this podcast that I really like about him. One is that players, especially if you look on the defensive side, you tell me if I'm wrong, but players get better under him. Guys that are program guys, guys that are not five stars, guys that stick around. Um, Romeo Finley is a, is a good example. Uh, Robert Knowles is another example. Michael Jackson, since graduate, I think he's now in the NFL. But Michael Jackson, I was wondering two or three, two and a half years in, why did they recruit this kid out of Alabama? He's no good, and this and the other thing. And then again, patience. The you know, coaching, coaching them up. You know, uh, the the conditioning and uh, you know the, the workout regimen, whatever they're doing, teaching the kids. And and you got guys that get better under him. And the other thing is. Players like to play for him. You see the loyalty showed by Quarterman, Pickney, McLeod, all, all these guys on the defensive side, they they love him. And the other thing is, yet in, another thing I like about Manny is Manny Diaz, he knows the game and he knows how to communicate the game. And those are two different things. You, you have coaches who know the game and don't know how to communicate it. And you have probably the other way around. I think Manny Diaz checks the box on both of those things. And I've seen him on when he's breaking down X's and O's on the Manny Diaz show and the stuff he's talking about, it's impressive to me. So there's a lot of things that I like about him. Again, they haven't won anything yet. It's been, what, how many years now since they've won a national title? And that's a standard at this school. Um, but certainly he deserves more time. That The idea to run him out of town like like the Twitter mob was talking about was, was ridiculous. And I, and I think any coach, if you bring the coach in and you want to get rid of him a year and a half in, a half year in, uh, that's you know then you you made them then you're just acknowledging to me they should get rid of the athletic director then you know what i mean if right. they have to fire the coach a year and a half in the ad should be right out the door with them well florida state's ad and uh president i think are going to be done in a year and a half anyway uh they're, they're heading towards retirement so this whole coaching search and everything that they're going through is kind of silly to me because if you're going to change the the president and the athletic director within a year um, and you're going to hire a new football coach now. It just, it's it, it yeah. reeks of desperation. They're they're so yeah. sort of screwed over financially. They've lost so much money uh, between the buyout and and then you know just the athletic department in general struggling financially like they have. Florida State could be down for a while here. Yes, they they are always going to have talent. They're always going to recruit well, and I'm sure they're going to spend a lot of money to hire a good head coach here. But there are some obstacles, and it's interesting to see where they sort of go from here. And you know, I, I think. The one thing you have with Manny is you have consistency uh, from last year. You know the defensive players who were who had bought in, obviously to to his uh, learning and, and scheme and everything else. I mean, you had a good thing going on that side of the ball, and it continues. And now you're starting to see the breakthrough in the offense. My my issue for Manny going forward is, and, and this is the most important thing really of a head coach is, can you hire quality assistant coaches and athletic directors, and you know, I mean, not athletic directors, offensive coordinators, rather. 
And and so Manny's obviously always going to have his, his finger on the pulse of the defense. And, you know, if his defensive coordinator were to leave to, you know, take a job somewhere else or his, you know, one of his position coaches, I'm, I'm confident that he would be able to replace that. But Miami spent a lot of money on Dan Enos to bring him in and, and to fix this offense. And, you know, seeing what they're doing now offensively, um, you know, Enos may not be here very long. There's a chance that, you know, he gets a job offer to go somewhere else because of what he's been able to do with Jaron Williams and, and making the offense better. So uh, it's going to be on Manny to be able to hire the right coaches. I mean, that's really what it comes down to here because <laughs> it's it's not a one-man job. And as much as Manny can take on a leadership role and the kids believe in him and everything else, when you go back to the glory days of the Hurricanes, Jimmy Johnson had great assistant coaches, right? I mean, Dennis Erickson mm-hmm. had really good assistant coaches who went on and coached in the NFL and other places as well. So mm-hmm. um, that's going to be the test. But right now, after... Uh, 10 games, you can say Manny Diaz pushed the right buttons this season. He reversed a, a terrible trend that was sort of happening on the defensive end, right? He fixed that. He got the players on offense who were really, you didn't have a lot of leadership outside of DJ Dallas. All of a sudden now you got these kids calling each other out and and playing a lot better. So he's fixed this thing um, in terms of structure and getting the offensive side to have confidence, to have a quarterback that they believe in and to, to see some improvement out of the offensive line. But, again, there's so much further to go here before Miami's a, a championship contender and everything else. And um, I think, you know, it, it you can like Manny Diaz and you can like what he's doing, but, man, I'm going to caution you, Walter. I'm not calling him a buffoon like I did in that text to, to <laughs> rattle you and to get you upset. Um, but I, I think we have to still have a lot of patience here. And I think after 25 games, after 30 games, that's when you can really evaluate a head coach especially when he does get to play in those big games. You know, will Miami show up when they do finally play Clemson? Will they show up when they finally do play Alabama? But now they're saying what I'm saying. I, I, I said in the beginning, I never said he was Vince Lombardi, I didn't, but he wasn't a buffoon either. I said, let's see. So I'm not uh, waving pom-poms on here. I don't know what he's going to do. I'm just saying, let's give him – I like a lot of things of what I see. Let's give him some time. I did want to ask you a couple of questions because you you know Hurricanes football. And I don't know even if your people listen to your podcast know just exactly you know that I'm sure they do. How long you've been covering this? How you know just the great job that you do and on the inside that that, that you're in. But I'm curious your thoughts on this. A couple of things. I think Nikosi Perry. Like I said, these kids should come back. The the the, the Jeff Thomases of the world, Navon Donaldson. Jonathan Garvey, Trajan Bandy, all those guys with eligibility, they, sh- they really should come back, get their degrees, finish strong. But I think Nicosi Perry and Tate Martell should go someplace else. Not because, you know, I want them to leave, but I think it's probably in their best interest. And I think the same for Bubba Baxa. He should go somewhere else. I think he's he's burned he's burned a bridge here. I could be wrong, um, but I think for his own health, <laughs> mental health, he probably should go somewhere else and kick. And, and Nicosi Perry... And Tate should go somewhere else where they can play, whatever level that is, whatever division. Uh, I was curious your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of transfers at the end of the season. I think there's a lot of kids who, you know, just aren't really in the long-term plans. Nikosi Perry is going to be interesting because knowing Nikosi, having spoken to him some, knowing his high school coach well and talking to his high school coach, he's always told me Nikosi's going to stick at Miami no matter what. So wow. I, I, I don't know if that's – going to be the case now at the end of the season because I think Nikosi's certainly good enough where he could play at another school at the FBS level and, and I yes. think win some games. Certainly I think if he went to the MAC conference or he went some other conference where he, he could be one of the best players in the entire conference. You know, I think he's got that kind right. of arm strength and 
not going to be facing the same type of pass rush and uh, FIU maybe. Huh? <laughs> FIU, maybe? <laughs> maybe FIU. I mean, right? I mean, would, he would certainly be the starting quarterback for FIU, wouldn't he? Uh, their quarterback is a senior this year, but of course he'd have to sit out a season and who knows what happens in the interim. But but yeah, he, he could play somewhere, absolutely. Yeah, Tate Martell's interesting. His former high school coach is at UNLV, and, and so he could always go back home at the end of the season. I mean, there's other guys on this roster you look at and you say, uh, certainly on the offensive line, especially all those upperclassmen who got passed up mm-hmm. and, aren't, and aren't part of the rotation. Um, and then, there, there, of course, there's guys on the defensive side that, you know, um, really don't play a whole lot that you say, OK, maybe they're going to want out of town. Um, but I, look, I, I, I'm not worried about who's going to transfer. I think the biggest name that could transfer is Lorenzo Lingard. And I know Manny Diaz mm-hmm. has continued to say over and over again, like we have a great relationship. The kid wants to be here. You know, when when you aren't playing and Lorenzo Lingard was finally healthy or got healthy enough to play this year, and then your coach says, no, we're, you know, we're gonna, or you reach that conclusion, no, I'm going to sit out the season, those kids have a lot of pride. They have a lot of people in their ear. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to be, I think, something to sort of watch over the offseason, whether or not Lorenzo Lingard decides to stick around. And I think a lot yeah, of it could I, depend on DJ Dallas and whether or not he comes back. Right. I, I, I hope Lorenzo Lingard does come back, but I have been very impressed with Cam Harris, he's not probably an NFL running back, but his vision, I think, is is tremendous. I don't know if it's a lead or not, but it's pretty good. I, I, he seems to find the right hole every time he, he touches the football. And so that kid has been, um, you know, he's been a pleasant surprise, I would say, as the backup running back coming in. And he's got a lot of chunk plays, even some that have been called back early in the season by penalties, as you recall, mm-hmm. um, that his numbers could be even more impressive than they are. So he's been a, a good compliment. And that's been the Miami way. Remember... Uh, back in the day when Frank Gore was, what was he, third string when he came in and he was busting up nine, ten yards every time he got the football, he was third string running back. Yeah. Uh, well, that's That was the, the Miami way that you stacked good player after good player after good player in the depth chart, and that's the way it should be here. Yeah, absolutely. The one I would say the one position, it's funny because this was the most loaded position at the start of the 2018 season, I think is receiver because losing KJ Osborne is going to sting. As you mentioned, D mm-hmm. Wiggins is just beginning to really step forward. Uh, mm-hmm. And you have obviously Jeff Thomas, who's a great talent, but you know, will he put it all together? Mark Pope, uh, you know, he's got talent, but yet it, it feels like he just really hasn't been able to grasp the playbook outside of running nine routes and bubble screens. You just don't see him really productive at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so to me, the receiver position is the one area where I think going in the next year, you say, Okay, uh, somebody's got to step up here, or like you said, they got to go into the transfer portal and, and, and pluck somebody out. But uh, and then defensively, obviously linebacker, that that second starter spot. Those are the two areas of concern. But I think all in all, the health of this roster is good. If seventeen of the twenty-two starters come back, and they got this schedule and they're playing this way, again, I don't want to overhype this thing, but I mean it's pretty simple. Go up and down the schedule and say to yourself, would Miami be favored in every single one of those games? And I think the only one they might not is, is Michi- Michi- Michigan State. <coughs> Excuse me. That's only because it's a big, t- uh, you know, a Big Ten opponent on the road. Uh, but I think right. But they've lost three games this year, Manny, where they were favored. Other than the Florida game, they should they should have won those games. You could argue. So yeah, you know, there's that. There is. Well, Walter, I think we've run out of time, man. We've been doing this for uh, over half an hour. You and I always get on these uh, tangents where we just keep going on and on and on. And, and We're not even going to talk about Dion Waiters and his gummy bears? Or the no. No, none of that? Okay. <laughs> no well, Dion Waiters and gummy bears. But uh, it, it was a very fun podcast, and maybe we can do this again in the future. 
Um, you know, Follow I am going to have to apologize to Manny Diaz now uh, that, that, that my commentary <laughs> through text messages come out on the air. Um, and I want to clarify, I, I, I did say it to sort of rattle you because you and I kind of always go back and forth at each other. Uh, but I did say that I, I didn't really mean it. It was one of those, uh, hey, you know what? He doesn't look like a very smart guy right now because of the way he hyped up this new Miami and now they're three and four with a loss to Georgia Tech. Uh, so I, I will put that little caveat in there, but, uh, All right, man, it was, fun, it was fun doing this podcast with you. Thanks, Walter. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. Orange green, on the screen, hit with a full head of steam. Come to your side of town, 60 minutes of smackdown. Like the rock was still on the team, but it's JT4 down the seam. J Will with a TD. Kickoff team ready to eat. First two, knock them out. Then uh, it's on me. DJ Dallas with a